welcome to the Plant Industry News Podcast, co-hosted by me, Shelby Ostriker, Holly Hughes, and Olivia Doyle with the Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services, Division of Plant Industry. As a regulatory agency of the Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services, the Division of Plant Industry works to detect, intercept, and control plant and honeybee pests that threaten Florida's native and commercially grown plants and agricultural resources. Thanks for joining us. On today's episode, we'll hear from Dr. Trevor Smith from the Director's Desk and Matt Brody, one of DPI's plant inspectors who also serves as a supervisor and has spent some time on emergency programs. An emergency program, sometimes referred to as an eradication program for DPI, is an instance where a group of employees gather to work together to eradicate an invasive pest or disease discovered somewhere in the state of Florida. This definition may look slightly different depending on the state agency or division involved. Stay tuned for Matt's interview to learn more. I really like working with uh, with the public and the growers, uh, even with our co-workers. I, I like challenges uh, and, uh, and overcoming those challenges. Finally, stay tuned for the news and announcements from the Division Digest. From the Director's Desk with Trevor Smith. Hello, DPI. This is Trevor Smith. And I've just gotten back from the National Plant Board in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, which for those of you that aren't aware of what the plant board is, that's actually the organization of all the states and the plant safeguarding regulatory agencies. So we come together every year as a national board, but also every year as a regional board. And we talk about pest and disease issues, international trade issues, if there needs to be policy changes, whatever, whatever the flavor of the month or the flavor of the year is. And this year, a big focus was actually on citrus. And for those of you that don't know, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, some of the other southern states are looking to jump into the citrus game. And I don't think a lot of them realized exactly how heavily regulated citrus is. I mean, it is one of the most regulated products on the planet. We had Ben Rawson, our chief of Budwood Registration, actually up there giving a presentation. And what he did is he laid out all of the different regulations just to grow citrus, especially to move citrus nursery stock across state lines, what's involved, how much it costs. And then he kind of laid out a comparison of all the regulations in California, Texas, Florida, and then what little regulations there are in some of the other southern states. So... I think it was a really good demonstration of one of those kind of um, a commodity that sounds good and it seems easy to grow and why shouldn't we jump into the game until you really see the regulations involved and Ben did a good job of laying that out. So I think as the states are probably still picking their jaws up off the ground after realizing exactly what's involved, at least they've got a clearer picture. So Ben will be heading up a group amongst the southern states to try and harmonize all of those regulations, make sure everybody's doing what they have to do. I mean, it's, it's not something that we don't support. 
I do think there's some opportunities in South Georgia to grow satsumas and things that you can't grow here in Florida. They just, it gets too hot and it just shuts them down, but uh, they've got to do it right. So that was a big topic. Another big issue was guava root knot nematode. And this is actually a nematode that we found in Florida in 2001. It was identified by our staff, Janet Brito. It just showed up last year in Louisiana and North Carolina, or at least they found it for the first time in Louisiana and North Carolina. And unfortunately, this is a pest of sweet potatoes. And that's a major concern. Even though we don't have a lot of sweet potatoes, the southern states, that's one of their main crops. So that was a big deal. And the big question is, how big of a pest is this? We know it's been in Florida for at least 20 years, maybe longer. It could be indigenous to this area. And that's the problem with nematodes. We have the capability to actually find them, survey for them, and identify them. Most of the other states in the United States can't do that. So in some cases, this is one of those things that kind of comes back to bite us because we found something, we identified it, and then other people are now regulating us because we have it, when in reality it could have been here forever. So that was a big topic to Jason Stanley, our assistant chief of implant and apiary inspection. He actually gave that presentation, did a great job, and uh, we had some good discussion amongst the states. There's still quarantines in place. Florida's been quarantined by Louisiana, North Carolina, South Carolina for sweet potatoes. But at least it looks like our nursery stock is going to be moving again. I think everybody realizes that's not the way this pest is going to move around. So it's kind of an example of some of the productive conversations that come out of these, these meetings. Other than that, we had Brad Danner, who's our state survey coordinator with the CAPS program. He actually represented all of the state survey coordinators on the Southern Plant Board and gave a presentation on CAPS issues and funding needs, concerns for the future, things like that. He did a great job, of course. I mean, Florida was very well represented at this meeting. I've been known to be a little too proud maybe of DPI, but... I, I could not have been more proud just to see those folks up there really kind of leading the way for the southern states on these major pest issues and, and concerns. So that was a great meeting. And uh, this was the first one where Richard Miranda, our new state plant health director for the USDA, was with me as my partner. That was a good, that was good as well, just having that united front between the USDA and the state of Florida, it's just not like that in every state. A lot of the states, it's not necessarily adversarial, but they just don't have that close working relationship like we have. And I think, especially in some of the presentations, particularly with Brad, because that is a cooperative program, the CAPS program, I think you could see the advantages to being in Florida and having that kind of working relationship with the USDA. So that's what's been going on uh, as far as uh, regionally. I think we've got the Giant African Land Snail Program is going really well. We had our big uh, annual meeting a few weeks ago, and that's where we basically go through and look at everything that's happened in the last year. What do we need to do for the next year? What kind of progress are we making? And I can report that we are making incredible progress. 
By the end of this year, we'll be down to nine active cores. You could say eight and a half because we're going to be closing down like half of core two. And the great thing is we were actually talking about, okay, well, after eradication, what's next for this team? We've got this highly trained, incredible mollusk, exotic mollusk uh, team out there. How do we how do we use them going into the future? What are some other uh, snail issues or mollusk issues that we need to address in the future? And how can we leverage that with this, this highly trained, highly motivated group? So it's good to be having those conversations. It's still early. I mean, we're, we're several, several years from being able to say this thing's eradicated, barring any new finds. But it's still good uh, strategic planning that way. You know, it's important to me. That's something I think is important to uh, the department as a whole. It's just a good thing to do. But that just, I walked out of that meeting just feeling so great because this has been so successful and that we're actually having that conversation about what's next is, is even better. So that's really all I've got for you this month. And I look forward to catching up with you again next month. Thanks. When you travel, by land, sea, or air, ask, can I bring it, and declare agricultural items. With your help, we can safeguard natural resources and protect the food supply from invasive pests and disease. Whatever your destination, enjoy the journey, and remember, don't pack a pest. Today on Plant Industry News, we have with us um, Mr. Matt Brody. And uh, Matt, would you introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. Um, well, my name is Matt Brody. I've been with the Division of Plant Industry now for 34 years. Four of those years were OPS. I actually started my career in a small town north of Miami called Opelaka in 1985. Worked on a couple of emergency programs during that time. And then uh, in 1989, I became a uh, Land Protection Specialist with the Bureau of uh, Pest Eradication and Control. In 1991, I transferred to the Bureau of Plant and Apiary Inspection as a nematode inspector. Uh, worked in nurseries in, uh, in South Florida before uh, Hurricane Andrew and post-Hurricane Andrew. In 1993, I transferred to a district position in, in Naples. Um, at that time, uh, I was the only inspector in, in Collier County. Uh, now we have five inspectors, but uh, so times have changed a little bit there. And then in 1998, I became an area supervisor, and uh, which is a role I currently have today. So with all this experience with the division, I'm sure that you have worked on a number of eradication programs. Can you kind of share about some of the programs that you've worked on and maybe define what uh, an eradication program is for the listeners that don't know? Well, I don't know if we have enough time today uh, for all that, but, uh, but uh, I've probably worked on uh, 16 or 17 major eradication programs and a, and a number of uh, smaller targeted surveys. Uh, probably about 10 of those are uh, exotic fruit fly programs. I've worked on a couple of disease programs uh, such as citrus canker, HLB, uh, gladiolus rust and a couple of weed programs, uh, one for wild red rice and uh, Salvinia molesta, which is another aquatic weed. I believe my first control experience uh, with an exotic fruit fly, I was holding a uh, kytoon, which is similar to a weather balloon, uh, in the middle of an extremely busy intersection in Miami while a helicopter flew over uh, uh, spraying pesticides. And uh, 
in the early days before GPS navigation and so forth, uh, it was all done by visual sight. And um, uh, so we'd line these, these kytunes up uh, along the spray pattern. Uh, going from that, uh, I've uh, worked on quite a few programs uh, as a strike team leader. Uh, currently, my current role usually on, on emergency programs, I'm the control branch director. Uh, but I've also served as operations chief and, and uh, incident commander from time to time. For those who might not know what those roles are, what does an incident commander do and what does a strike team leader do and that kind of thing? So those terms uh, are actually part of the uh, incident command system or ICS. And uh, so it's a defined role. Um, regardless, if I went to work on a forest fire, I would know what a uh, strike team leader would do because their roles are similar. On uh, For a strike team leader, it's uh, in charge of a small group of five to seven people. Uh, they carry out the daily objectives um, and uh, where an incident commander is overall uh, in charge of the entire program from everything from resource ordering uh, to operations to, to planning. So do you abandon, I mean, temporarily, I guess, like your kind of normal duties and your typical job to you know, you know, to transfer over to an emergency program and you only do that one particular role? Uh, yes, uh, so typically if, uh, if we had a, 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 a fruit fly outbreak, uh, I'll give Homestead as an example, mm -hmm. uh, the next day uh, yourself along with probably another 79 people are on the road to, uh, uh, to the program. And, um, it's uh, really a lesson in organized chaos. Uh, the first couple of days of a program, uh, trying to get everybody, uh, you know, down to that location and uh, their assigned roles. And uh, but, but uh, you know, that's the beauty of the incident command system. I mean, everybody knows what they're supposed to do and who to go ask for, for right. what they need. So yeah, yeah. and I know that um, all of our employees um, that are career service or SES have to be trained in some sort of ICS. Um, type of training or situation. I know that we had one not too long ago in Gainesville in the training situation where our office as TA were the public information officers. And um, with us, what we do is deal with the public. And so one thing that I've learned with ICS too is that everybody has their roles and you have to stay in your box in order for um, the ICS plan to work. So can you tell us a little bit about maybe the difficulties you find um, with trying to stay in your box? I know you've been on so many emergency programs, so it's probably second nature to you to do something like that. The good thing about the uh, incident command system is, uh, yes, you're right, we, we do have a, an assigned box, but uh, uh, you'll find that uh, as long as everybody else stays in their assigned box, communication goes up and down and across uh, the, the command structure. It's, uh, it's actually pretty easy, it's, uh, it's a great system. I'm glad that the state of Florida adopted it. What is the importance of eradication programs to both the division and the state? What is their purpose and, and what what do they do? Uh, the importance of eradication programs uh, falls in line with our division's mission of protecting Florida's native plants and commercially grown uh, plants in the state. For instance, if oriental fruit fly was detected in South Florida and became established, not only would it be additional quarantines for, for our growers, uh, crop loss uh, due to the fly uh, and additional pesticide usage. It would also be a hindrance to the residents of Florida by uh, uh, you wouldn't be able to grow mangoes in your backyard, for instance, uh, because of the fruit fly uh, uh, problem. 
What is one of the challenges you faced working on an eradication program? Well, we, we, we always have a number of challenges when you get that many people together and, and organized and tried to do something. Uh, uh, really our biggest problem on, on emergency programs or eradication programs uh, is getting enough people uh, to, to, to fill all the roles of, of the ICS structure. Uh, but uh, but also uh, equipment, uh, you know, living with equipment breakdowns, uh, unfortunately, is, is part of the job, but we, we plan for it as best as we can. Do you have a, a memorable experience on an eradication program that you'd like to share? Gosh, it really is just too many to, to discuss here. But, uh, you know, the, the thing that I... Um, I guess I shouldn't say I like emergency programs, but the, the thing I like best about working emergency programs is are the people that I work with. Um, um, you know, I've been with the division now for 34 years. Uh, uh, I'm the control, usually I'm the control branch director, but really it's the people that work for us that uh, they get the work done and, and uh, uh, that really makes me proud. Um, I guess another thing about uh, that makes an emergency program memorable uh, I, I really like the sense of accomplishment after we eradicate a pest. For sure. And, and, and um, not to say that it's man versus nature by any means, but this is, you know, usually if it's a fruit fly pest, it's something that does not belong in the state of Florida if it's not endemic to, to the state. And uh, to, to eliminate that pest and uh, protect Florida agriculture and the residents, um, it's just really a, a, a great sense of uh, accomplishment. I would agree with that. I mean, sitting in, in Gainesville and getting, I'm thinking of the off program in Miami that happened last year, and we would get weekly reports about the status of everything, and we were just waiting for a life cycle to time out on one of the flies that was found and everything, and whenever that did happen, it was, I mean, I wasn't on that program, but it did feel like we had accomplished something as a division in order to declare eradication for that program and that fly, I mean, it was like a really big victory for us. And the first one, you know, since I had joined the division to be able to experience that was really neat. It's great to uh, to have a plan and uh, execute that plan and have that plan work. And, you know, the division of plant industry is, you know, recognized worldwide as a, a premier regulatory, you know, plant protection uh, uh, agency. And, mm -hmm. and uh, certainly every, every fly that goes down, no pun intended, uh, <laughs> is, is certainly a credit to, to the people that work here. Right. And I would definitely say that the division of plant industry and FDACs as a whole works to safeguard its agriculture industry, especially with these eradication programs, because we want to do our best to not only regulate the industry, but to protect um, the growers and farmers and you know, everyone invested in agriculture in Florida. And I think that these eradications are a testament to the safeguarding that does happen within our division. Mm -hmm. I'm curious what it's like, because our headquarters are, you know, based in Gainesville. What is it like working for the division, but whenever you're based out of Naples, what, what is that kind of like working somewhere other than where the headquarters is? It's not as bad as you would think. Um, uh, I really, really wish that the uh, technical sections were, were a lot closer. I, I, um, 
it, it'd be nice if we could just walk down the hall and you know please ID this and and uh, but uh, so we we always have that delay um, uh, but you know working in Southwest Florida and of course you know in my past I've, I've worked in, in in the Miami area as well it's a it's a each area of the state is unique and uh, it each area you know presents its own uh, benefits and challenges. Uh, uh, but uh, I, I enjoy the area that I work in in Southwest Florida. I cover five counties um, and uh, we do things just a little bit different or we have different industries that uh, the rest of the state has. So, right. so I, I really enjoy it. So now that we know a little bit more about what you do on a daily basis and with eradication programs, we'd like to dive a little deeper and ask, do you have any hobbies outside of work that uh, you like to enjoy? Well, believe it or not, I don't like gardening. But, <laughs> but, um, no, probably just uh, do you like to fish a lot? Um, I really do. Um, I read, uh, kind of a history buff, uh, but uh, no, I really enjoy spending time with my family uh, during my off hours. That's good. Naples is a perfect location for fishing. <laughs> it is, it is. So, nice beaches. So, so. Uh, I mean, just one last question that I have is what do you enjoy most about your job, whether you're on a program or just in your in your daily life? What what do you like about it? I think that um, I really like working with uh, with the public and the growers, uh, even with our coworkers. I I like challenges uh, and uh, and overcoming those challenges. And and so I, I I take a lot of satisfaction in working with growers and in our um, you know, if there's a, a common problem. Uh, I, we, you know, I try to work with them the best I can, and and, uh, and when it, it all all the stars align and, and everything works, I, I think that's just uh, it's a great feeling, and um, take a lot of personal satisfaction in that. Also, uh, just uh, coworkers, I've made some lifelong friends here in the division uh, over the years, and um, really just uh, this is a a great division to work for. The people here are all dedicated. Uh, it's just great to work with such enthusiasm and, and uh, especially on emergency programs uh, that we're, people really shine during those moments when it's the hardest. And uh, I think it's great. Well, thanks, Matt. Thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate it. And um, do you have any last words for our listeners? Well, uh, just one thing about the division. I, I, um, I tell all my new inspectors uh, this, that uh, you don't do the same thing every day. And uh, so, uh, again, uh, just talking about the division of plant industry, it's just a great place to work. Um, uh, the experiences you, you obtain here, uh, everybody's got a story to tell, and uh, you can learn something from, from each of them. Well, thanks, Matt. Thanks again for being with us today. Thank you. Have you ever wondered about what the different roles within the Division of Plant Industry entail? Check out our blog posts highlighting a different position at DPI in our Day in the Life series. Blog posts cover a variety of topics and are published weekly at fdaxdpi.wordpress.com. This is the Division Digest. We would like to announce Mr. Larry Moe Violet as the new Region 1 Environmental Supervisor headquartered in Gainesville. Moe began his career with FDAX in 2012 as a fruit and vegetable inspector, 
where he conducted inspections in conjunction with the USDA in Tampa and Plant City. In 2013, Mo joined DPI as an Environmental Specialist 1, nematode inspector where he was responsible for providing sampling and certifications for nurseries. In 2016, Mo was promoted to Environmental Specialist 2 as a citrus nursery inspector. In 2017, Mo was promoted to Environmental Supervisor 1 in Tavares. Mo has a bachelor's degree in biological science from California State University at Sacramento. Congratulations, Mo, on your new position. We would also like to announce the appointment of Ms. Rosanna J. Bency to the senior clerk position overseeing the division's vehicle management, mail handling, inventory, and supply orders for administration in the office of the director. Rose began her career with DPI after relocating from New Jersey to work as an OPS Lab Tech 1 with our Bureau of Methods Development and Biological Control in March 2008. Rose was promoted to an OPS Lab Tech 2 position in May 2012. She spent time working on the biological control programs for our imported fire ant forward fly program and our cactus moth program. In June 2013, Rose was appointed to senior clerk in our fiscal office. Congratulations, Rose, on your new position. DPI employees make plans to attend the Spring Employee Appreciation Day on May 7th in Sebring or May 10th in Gainesville. We look forward to recognizing your accomplishments this year. Hope to see you there. DPI employees make plans to attend the Spring Employee Appreciation Day on May 7th in Sebring or May 10th in Gainesville. We look forward to recognizing your accomplishments this year. We hope to see you there. Thanks for tuning in to Plant Industry News. We appreciate our special guests for keeping us informed and updated. Follow us on social media at FDAXDPI. Be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions, suggestions, or announcements you think should be included, email us at dpi-blog at freshfromflorida.com. This podcast was produced in part by Olivia Doyle, Holly Hughes, and Shelby Ostriker. Don't bug us. We'll have another episode next month.